We're going to turn tonight to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 26. I'm going to read from the verse 13. I must confess that it was in my mind to leave this till a different time, but I felt so strongly that I couldn't, and I wanted to follow up from the last two messages in the previous Sunday nights. So we will think about the principle and power of love at a different time. Let's hear God's word. We're reading from Acts chapter 26, and we're reading from the verse 13. Acts chapter 26, verse 13. Let's hear the word of God. At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of all those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do work meets for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am except these bonds. And when he had thus spoken, the king rose up 
and the governor, and Bernice, and they that sat with them. And when they were gone aside, they talked between themselves, saying, This man doeth nothing worthy of death or of bonds. Then said Agrippa unto Festus, This man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed unto Caesar. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Now my text tonight is taken from Acts chapter 26, verses 28 and 29. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. Now my theme tonight is in the form of a question, and the question is this, are you almost or altogether persuaded to be a Christian? These words that I've quoted in your hearing form part of an exchange between a prisoner called the Apostle Paul and King Agrippa. King Agrippa ruled Judea from AD 41 to 44. He was the last king of the Herodian dynasty. Now, if we read through the book of Acts carefully, especially the latter end of the book, we discover that the Apostle Paul had the joy of preaching the gospel and testifying before three very powerful men. And we've already thought about Felix, the governor, and then the man that superseded him was a man called Festus, and we preached in Festus last Lord's Day evening. Now I want to add a third name, a third individual that Paul testified before and preached the gospel of Christ to, and that man is called King Agrippa. Now, of course, there's some men in the Bible are recorded to bless and enrich us to lead us into the path of righteousness. They're written and recorded for our good and for our admonition. In other words, we, we put their lifestyle into our minds and we seek to follow their example. Other men and events are recorded in the Bible to act as a warning beacon on the road of life. And that warning beacon sends out a, a signal, a warning of danger that hangs over the necks of the individual and tells us don't follow in this same pathway. Don't live as they live. Don't do as they do. Now, when I think of King Agrippa, King Agrippa stands out to me as a warning beacon to all on the road of life. See, this man had many privileges, young people. First of all, he was a king. How do we know that he was a king? Paul says at midday, O king, Acts chapter 26, verse 13. He says in verse 19, whereupon, O king Agrippa. He's addressing a king. And that king, of course, had many privileges. Let me tell you something else. This was not a heathen man. This man had a good and fulsome knowledge of the word of God and the gospel. He was not in spiritual darkness. If you look with me at Acts chapter 25 and verse 23, we read the words, And on the morrow when Agrippa was come, that was to Caesarea, and Bernice noticed these words with great pomp, and was entered into the place of hearing with the chief captains and principal men of the city, at Festus' commandment, Paul 
was brought forth. Note the words, with great pomp. You see, this man, young people, was a lover of style. He had a taste for the finer things of life. And here he is in the seat of learning, in the place of judgment, and you see him in all his finery. And then before him is one scruffy, smelly, bald-headed little Jewish man who's in chains and he's standing before him. And there's a large crowd of people in attendance, including the governor Festus. The location was Caesarea. Now this prisoner was none other than the Apostle Paul. And he, of course, lived and loved to preach the gospel of Christ. And he was glad of every opportunity. And he was always ready to give an answer uh, uh, in season and out of season, if asked. And if the opportunity arose. And here he is, in this chapter of Acts 26, giving his testimony before King Agrippa. And it was designed to bring honor and glory to God. This is the third time in the book of Acts that he gave his testimony. And he showed to the king how he was a former persecutor of the way. How he had hated the followers of the Lord Jesus, putting many in jail. Some of them were done to death. And then how he was wondrously saved on the Damascus road at noonday. And he, and he finished his message by speaking of Christ's life and death and resurrection. Festus, the man who had organized the meeting, interrupted him. And what did he say? Verse 24 Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. Now Paul turned to him and lovingly rebuked him. He was very courteous. He, he called him most noble Festus. I am not mad, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. Verse 25. And then he said, what I have to say is the gospel truth. Christ is alive. Christ is risen again from the dead. Christ now lives in the power of an endless life. Christ is the only saviour of sinners. And he turned again to King Agrippa and he asked him this question. Believest thou the prophets? He's referring to the Old Testament scriptures. The New Testament wasn't written. He, Paul, the prisoner to this mighty king, and he's asking do you believe the first gospel promise, Genesis 3.15? Do you believe that Christ is the seed of the woman? Do you believe that Christ is the Lamb of God who was once and for all sacrificed for sin? The, the one who's called Counselor, Wonderful, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The one who died in the tree and cried it is finished. The one who cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Do you believe that? And then he adds, I know that thou believest. Isn't it remarkable that King Agrippa didn't answer him? Isn't it strange that his silence was in actual fact his consent? It was his acknowledgement that he believed the Old Testament scriptures. You see, King Agrippa knew his Bible. He knew the truth. He knew the gospel message. He never denied it. And yet, strangely and oddly, he never came to Christ. What did he say? Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost 
and altogether such as I am, except for these bonds. So I ask the question again, are you an almost or an altogether persuaded to be a Christian? Four things here as I thought of this. Think of the privileges that King Agrippa enjoyed. I've already told you King Agrippa was the last of their Rhodian dynasty. He was not like Felix, the governor. He was not like Festus, who replaced him. You see, these men hated the gospel. They did not believe in Christ. They didn't believe in the message of repentance or redemption. These men died the way they live. But King Agrippa was a man with a different stamp. You see, when you read through Acts 26 very carefully, it helps us to form a picture of what this man was like. God has provided this word picture, almost provided it as a kind of a record against King Agrippa's name. It's not a record of every word or every deed that King Agrippa said or did, but there's enough here because of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to form a good picture. If you look with me at Acts chapter 23, verse 6, here's one of his privileges. King Agrippa was greatly influenced by the word of God. Paul says, Acts 26, verse 2, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. You see, it couldn't be said of him or about him, you don't understand what I'm talking about. Because this man was a kind of expert in all of the custom and of the Jews' religion and way of life. Whenever Festus accused Paul of being mad, note his response. Remember what he said. Not only did he say, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. Look at verse 26, Acts 26. For the king knoweth of these things before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things were hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. You see, this man had a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ in his birth, in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection. And that's why Paul pressed at home, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Gee, this man was so different from Felix, so different from Festus. He had been brought up and taught the things of God from the word of God. And young people, that's one of the greatest privileges ever. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And maybe there's one listening to me tonight. And like King Agrippa, you've been greatly privileged in that you have been influenced and taught the word of God. Maybe from childhood when you were born as a baby and sat on daddy's knee or mummy's knee or granda's knee. And John 3 and 16 was whispered into your ear. Maybe there's a boy and girl here who... who was presented with a Bible, maybe when they were born, or or shortly after they were born, or, or in Sunday school, a child's Bible. 
And, 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 and those stories from the Bible were read to them. And you've been brought up through the Sunday school and brought up through the children's meetings. And, and you attended the young people's fellowship. And you were brought to the house of God in the Lord's day. And now you're in your 20s and 30s. And you've already heard the gospel. You, you've heard the story of Christ in Gethsemane. You've heard the story of Christ in Gabbatha. You've heard the story of Christ at Golgotha. In other words, the gospel hasn't been lost in you. You're familiar with it. You've been influenced by it. You see, thank God you're not amongst those who mock and poke fun at the Bible. You're not a scoffer. You're not a denier. You believe all the right things tonight. Whatever the Bible says about God, you believe it. And about Jesus Christ, you believe it. And about heaven and hell, you believe it. But I want to tell you something, just like Festus, just like King Agrippa, that doesn't make you a Christian. How many tonight give mental assent to truthful propositions about God, Jesus Christ, heaven and hell, even the Bible, sin, salvation, their soul, but giving mental assent to those things doesn't make you a Christian. I could say, well, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus Christ, heaven and hell, salvation. I believe I've got a soul. I believe I'm a sinner. I've heard of a suffering Savior, the story of the cross not lost in me. I've heard of a resurrected Savior. Up from the grave he arose, a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints. I believe in a living Savior. But you see, it's different than giving just mental assent to those truths and actually trusting in him by an act of simple faith. You can believe all you want about him, but believing and giving mental assent about him is so different from believing and trusting in him alone for salvation. King Agrippa was greatly influenced by the word of God. I'll tell you something else. King Agrippa... Here's another privilege. He was brought to face to face with one of the greatest preachers in the world. He heard Paul preach. Now we've got a summary of that sermon. Acts chapter 26. Look with me here at verse 23. That Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show forth light unto the people and to the Gentiles. See, Paul's argument was that I am saying none other things than those that the prophets and Moses did say should come. And what did they say should come? That Christ should come and that he should suffer and die and that he would rise again from the dead and he would show light to the Gentiles. That was Paul's sermon. There was none like him. He could say, as the book of Acts says in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And, you know, he had a third privilege. He heard Paul's testimony. Not only did he hear the man of God preach, but he heard his testimony. You see, that day there was a man stood before him and told him how God had saved him. Let me tell you by way of summary. Paul says, I lived a Pharisee. I kept the law blameless. 
I then saw a light in the Damascus road. I heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He says, I was not disobedient to this heavenly vision. He then said in verse 22 of Acts 26, I continue unto this day because my life has been changed and transformed by the power of God. And I testify now that I, who was a blasphemer, have become a believer. And I, who was a persecutor of the way, have become a preacher. And you too have been so privileged because you have heard the finest of preachers. Some in this pulpit and some outside it. The Dr. Paisley the late Dr. Kearns, other eminent men of God within our denomination and beyond. You've heard great testimonies in the past. Evidence has been set before you of the reality of God, Jesus Christ, the Bible, heaven and hell, that you're a sinner and you need to be saved. And yet tonight, even though you're almost persuaded, you're not altogether persuaded. You're still not a true Christian. You can't say you've been born of the Spirit and, and that you're in saving union with Christ. You've had many privileges. Privilege to be influenced by the Word of God, to hear gospel preaching, and to hear powerful testimonies. And your response says, well, I'm almost persuaded. I want you to think, secondly, let me quick, think of the procrastination that King Agrippa envisaged. Think of these words, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. What was keeping King Agrippa back? Let me suggest he had a love for sin. He was not prepared to give his heart and life to Christ because it would mean turning his back in sin. Paul preached repentance, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. And he didn't like the idea and the thought of being sorry enough for a sin to turn from it to God. I believe also he had a love for this world. This was another reason. Remember this statement, how he came into the room that day with Bernice with great pomp. Acts 25, 23. In other words, he had long robes. He had rings in his fingers. He had an awe of royalty and majesty about him. He was the king. He had the right to rule. He had riches. The Greek word actually is the word that we get the word fantastic. In other words, a great fanfare. In other words, it was a splendid entrance. Use your imagination. He couldn't have done any better. It was not only pump, a fantastic entrance to blow you away. It was great pump. And yet this man despite putting on a great show, with loads of worldly style and appearance. Yet he had a heart as black as sin. Sin in the world at such a grip, he didn't want to give it up. And maybe here's another reason. He also was a lover of men. Remember Festus was there. Festus is the governor. Paul was in full flight and he interrupted him. And what did he say? With a very loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning doth make thee mad. Paul very courteously rebuked him. King Agrippa said nothing. Now he's the king. He's in charge of Festus. He tells Festus what to do, where to go and what to say. He had great power and authority. But he said nothing. And I thought to myself, 
Is it because he's thinking if I become a Christian, the governor Festus, he too is going to call me a bad man? I could lose my position. I could be dethroned. You see, how many tonight in Northern Ireland are just like King Agrippa? There's a, a spirit of procrastination because there's a love for sin. There's a love for the world and all it has to offer. And there's such a, a, a fear of men or a love for men that you don't want to suffer the reproach for Christ. The Bible talks about the fearful and the unbelieving. Revelation 21 verse 8 gives a list of catalogue of individual sins. Heading it was the unbelieving. The man or woman, boy or girl who knows they need to be saved and shouldn't be saved. But won't because of fear. The fear of man brings a snare. What's keeping you back tonight? Is it love for sin? Is it a love for this world and what it has to offer? Or is it a fear of man? And you'd rather be in fellowship with men. And this heaven, more than a love for Christ and salvation. Think also thirdly of the promptings that King Agrippa experienced. You see, I've thought of these words, almost now persuadest me to be a Christian. Was he being sarcastic? Was he mocking the Apostle Paul as he preached and testified in that time? Or was he sincere? You see, I'm going to say tonight, I believe he was being sincere. Yes, he had a love for sin and a love for the world. And yes, he had a love for men so much so that he feared them more than he feared God. But he was sincere when he said, almost pers thou persuadest me to be a Christian. You see, I believe the Holy Ghost was at work in his heart and life. The Bible says it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. It's true that no man can call Jesus Lord but by the Spirit of God. You think of the message that he heard, a message about the suffering Savior. What did the prophets say? What did Moses say? That Christ should come and suffer. The work of Calvary, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. You see, we can't leave Calvary out. That's what Paul preached. The work of the cross. You see, when you leave the work of the cross out, there's no gospel. There can't be a gospel without the vicarious sacrifice of Christ. There can't be a gospel without his finished work and his blood shedding at Calvary. The Holy Spirit used that. A message that Christ is alive and rose from the dead. The Holy Spirit used the message of resurrection. A message that Christ in the world would show light to the Gentiles. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. There's one of our ministers at a gospel mission one night told this story. He preached the gospel, and at the end, this big man came up, and he says, hey, you, I've got a controversy with you. And of course, the minister, whom I know is by the height of me, so you know who it is, he, he crouched in fear. He thought, you know what, I'm going to get thumped here. Most people are away. And the man went on to say, you made an awful statement in the pulpit, and I'm angry, I'm upset. Well, well what did I say? See, we don't always remember what we say. And he said, you said I could walk out of here scot-free of all my sin. 
Do you know who I am? No, said the preacher. Do you know what I've done? No, said the preacher. Then the preacher went on, using wisdom. I would like you to tell me, who are you? What have you done? Well, I haven't been in church for 20 years. And I come into the area to visit a family tonight, and they said when I come, they were all dressed up. We're going to church. You can sit here, Bob. Or, or you can come with us to church. I hadn't planned to come to church. But he says, I come in here because I didn't want to sit at their house alone. I didn't think that would be wise or good manners. And you have told me tonight that I could walk out of here scot-free of all my sin. He started to tell the story how he had fought at the Battle of Dunkirk, how he had seen men die, killed in the war, how that he came home from the war and lived a life of riotous living, how that he was caught up in a, a very sinful, poisonous lifestyle, a lifestyle of drugs and immorality and blasphemy and theft and murderous activity. And he says, look, preacher, I'm sorry, but it can't be true. Walk out of here scot-free of all my sin. Hi, hi, preacher. And of course, the preacher then opened up the scriptures and talked about how Christ suffered for sinners and how Christ was a substitute for sinners and how Christ was a surety for sinners and how Christ sacrificed for sinners and the wrath of God fell on him. And the preacher told Bob, but he was punished in your stead. Because he's actually related to you. He's a real man. He, he's a, 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 a righteous man. But he's also a representative man. Not just a mere innocent man. But he's related to men. He's the second Adam. Do you know that man, at the end of the meeting, when everybody or most people was gone, Big Bob and the preacher knelt down in the pew. And Big Bob gave his life to Christ. What had happened? The Spirit of God had strove with him. I could walk out of here scot-free with all my sin. And it touched a raw nerve. Do you know what the Bible says? The blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Do you know that sin has been atoned for by the shedding of Christ's blood? And there's a real true covering for every sin tonight. And I don't care what your sin is, or how dark it is, or how bad it is, or, or how long ago you committed it. Don't ever think that there's no hope or help for me. And if the Spirit of God is striving with you and prompting you, then we urge you to go to Christ. Trust in the one who suffered for you, substituted for you, is a surety who sacrificed himself for you out of love. The Spirit was striving with Agrippa that day. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Very concerned, but not converted. Maybe that's you tonight. You are concerned, but you're not converted. You're concerned, but you haven't yet come to Christ. You believe certain things about the Savior, but you've not yet actually trusted in him. You see, King Agrippa was without excuse. And what a tragedy. And you'll be without excuse and it'll be tragic because of the spirit striving with you. Remember, my spirits are not always strive with man. One final thing. Think of the predicament that King Agrippa encountered. Almost thou persuadest me. But he was not altogether. And there's a vast difference. 
You see, remember he's King Agrippa. And his lifestyle, even as king, would not have satisfied the deep longing of his heart. He entered with great pomp. You've got to think of that lifestyle. All the fanfare and all the fantastic things that he had. But you know the richest man in the world? The billionaires? The wisest man in the world? The kindest man in the world? See, God had given them that wealth and that wisdom and that spirit of kindness. And King Agrippa's position and his right and privileges was a gift from God. And he indulged in it all. But it didn't satisfy him. It was all empty. It was all vain. It's positive proof that people who have everything, they discover that there's nothing in this life can satisfy the deep longing of their soul. And if you live without Christ, and if everything else in its right place but not Christ, it'll not satisfy and do you any good. I'll tell you something else about his predicament. In this life, he didn't secure the saving of a soul. We don't read of King Agrippa again in the Bible, do we? We don't know if he ever actually put his faith and trust in Christ. And I could tell you something about him. Not only did he discover that there's nothing in this life that satisfies the deep longing of our soul, but he would have no comfort in the hour of death. Imagine dying as a privileged man. Having the influence of the word of God. Having heard this fantastic preacher. Having had this testimony presented to him. That this, this particular man who procrastinated because he loved sin, the world, and the fear of man. This man who had the promptings of the Spirit. This man would have no comfort in the hour of death. I finish tonight. Do you know that there's a story told about a man that had two sons? They were good lads. But one in particular had no interest in God, the church, or the gospel. Mom and dad were lovely Christians. They were gloriously saved. I'm not sure if they went to a free Presbyterian church. Maybe they did. But the minister visited that home on one occasion. Mom and dad wasn't in. He got talking to the eldest lad, and the lad told him. He invited him to church. He said, sorry, preacher, but I'll not be there. I'm just not interested. I've no thought nor care for those things. It's okay for mum and dad. God bless them. It seemed to change in their life. But, but it's not for me. That lad was a mechanical digger driver. He got married. He was age 23. He had been to the solicitor. Got his house sorted. His will was made. He even had a burial plot bought. At 23 years of age. One night there was a knock at the door. It was the fellow's dad. He broke down in tears. He threw his arm around the preacher. You know what he said? Oh, preacher, they've shot John dead. Or they've shot David dead. In this today. He was in the digger. Somebody came up with a shotgun and shot him in the head. One of the tragic murders and 40-year trouble. Inspired by hell and the devil. 
in Northern Ireland. Mistaken identity, the paramilitary said. You see how many don't realize that without Christ there's no comfort in the hour of death. And how many want to die and go to heaven like Balaam say, let me die the death of the righteous. But remember the Bible says, prepare to meet thy God. Not prepare for dying, as many do. It's okay to get a will and have a burial plot. But prepare to meet thy God. You think of the rich man in hell. What did he testify? I see. I hear. I feel. I think. I want. Remember he wanted Abraham to send Lazarus to go to his five brothers at home. He said if one went back from the dead and testified to them, they'd repent and get right with God. And what did Abraham say? They have Moses and the prophets. If they don't hear Moses and the prophets, they won't believe that one has actually risen from the dead. They've got the book. And the book testifies of Christ. Poor King Agrippa. Almost persuaded. But not altogether. And there's a vast difference. Because none but Christ can satisfy. And without Christ with you in the hour of death, whether you're taken at a young age or old age, whether you die as a child or an old person, there's the only comfort is to be in Christ. The psalmist said, and with this I finish, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod, thy staff, thy comfort. Can you say that? Thou art with me. If you can't, then you're only almost persuaded, but not altogether. Are you almost or altogether persuaded to be a Christian? Or be given a glimpse into King Agrippa, his privileges, we've thought about his procrastination, his promptings. But here's his predicament. Despite all that God had given him, he lived and died that way and had no comfort in the hour of death, no comfort in meeting God, and he certainly got no comfort in hell tonight. He's a warning beacon. Don't be like him. Be altogether persuaded.